All right, everybody, welcome back to the Bible Study Podcast. I am Travis Polly, and here we have one goal, learn to love like Jesus. Here, as always, with Wes McAdams. Hi, Wes. Hi, Travis. How are you? I'm doing great. How are you? Good. I'm great, man. Good to see you. I am uh, excited about this question today. Yeah. We did an episode a couple weeks ago on Stoicism. This mm-hmm. is sort of in the same uh, same vein as that. Yeah, yeah. This is a question from listener Jonathan. He says, Dear Brother Wes, I very much enjoy your articles and podcasts. I was thinking just recently about the idea of karma. It is a very popular idea and a core teaching of several religions. I was wondering if you could maybe do a podcast or blog about karma. What is karma, and should Christians believe in karma? Thanks in him, Jonathan. Okay. Thank you, Jonathan. Yeah, good question, Jonathan. I appreciate that. I, and I, I think you're right, Travis, the similarities between... And I think you we could do this with a whole lot of... Not that we should necessarily, but uh, we could do this with a whole lot of philosophies and worldviews. And it's it's like we've said in the past that, that every... Um, philosophy has a logic to it uh, right. as as people look at the world and say, why is this, why do things work this way? Why do things happen this way? And, and it makes sense, especially if someone is devoid of truth that comes from above. Mm-hmm. And so the world mm-hmm. itself and human nature has the potential to uncover a lot of truth that is... Um, already revealed in in the natural world, right. and we talked about common grace and how everyone has common grace. Everybody has a bit of um, understanding and um, morality and knowledge based on what God put in them and designed them to have. Uh, so, so there's some logic to karma, uh, at least how we tend to use that word. But when we get into the Hinduism and the Buddhism side of it, it it's it's a little less. Uh, common sense or logical, as somebody might think of it. Right. Um, the Hindus and, and Buddhists think of karma in the sense of reincarnation. And so it very much is tied to the idea of reincarnation, that if somebody is has a uh, difficult situation in life, a difficult position in the world, uh, they're, they're poor, they're disabled, they're blind, they're whatever the case may be. If their situation is bad, it's because they did something bad in a previous lifetime. Right. And because of their bad behavior in a previous lifetime, the universe has has punished them and they've been born into a bad situation or bad things are happening to them in this lifetime because of what they did in a previous lifetime. And so the the moral of that story, so to speak, would be then do good things in this lifetime. And then when you're reincarnated the next time, you'll have a better status in life the next go around. But right. your status right now is the consequence or the reward for the good or the bad that you did in previous lifetimes. Mm. So the the moral of all of that, or the idea behind all of that, is that you are responsible for both the good and the bad that you're experiencing. Whatever good you're right. experiencing or whatever bad you're experiencing, you're responsible for that. It's because of something you did in a previous lifetime, and you have nobody to blame but yourself. You're, you brought this upon yourself in whatever you did. You don't remember it yeah. because you, you can't tap into that, but you must have done something evil. Now, of course, that goes to the question that so many people have in, in, in just looking at the world around us. We 
tend to ask, where did all of this pain come from? Right. Where did all of this brokenness come from? Why do people suffer? Why does a person who's seemingly a good person suffer all of these bad things? Mm-hmm. Well, if you don't have revealed truth, if you don't have scripture, if you don't have God teaching you, and you're just left to your own devices, which I would argue that Hindus and Buddhists are doing, they're looking inside, they're looking at the world, and they're trying to figure it out, and and they simply don't have all of the 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 pieces to put that that together, and so they've concluded, well, this person must have done something bad in a previous lifetime. That right. they're they're suffering for the bad things they did before. So there's their explanation for where did pain come from? Where did suffering come from? Where did these bad things come from? Well, it came from the things that we did in a previous lifetime. But that's not the way we tend to use the word karma. Right. We that's how that's the technical use of the word and and the word karma itself means actions. So your actions will result in either a a blessed next life or a cursed next life because of the actions that you're doing now. But the way we tend to use karma just in secular language or just in in common ordinary everyday language is mm-hmm. is just another way of saying what goes around comes around right. that when you do bad things bad things will happen to you you do good things good things will happen to you and we don't necessarily mean or people don't necessarily mean what's going to happen to you in the next life or right. in reincarnation because a lot of people use karma who don't believe in reincarnation mm-hmm. and they're not saying the things that I'm suffering right now are because of what I did in a previous life although they might be saying what I'm suffering right now, even though it seems disconnected from anything I did, maybe the universe is punishing me for some bad thing I did. I lied to somebody 10 years ago, and I I never really paid the consequences for that. Mm. And so maybe I got a flat tire or my house burned down because of that lie I told 10 years ago. And, And the universe is getting me back for the bad thing that I did. So again, it's this attempt to explain pain and suffering and and heartbreak by saying maybe this is my own fault somehow, that I did something that is causing this bad thing to happen, or I'm having good fortune, and that's because I'm a good person. I I do good things. I live a good life. I I don't lie. I don't steal. I don't cheat. And so all of the good things I'm, I'm enjoying are because of my decision. So karma boils down to whatever good or bad I'm experiencing, Mm -hmm. I am either to blame or I am to credit with all of these good things or bad things because they're all the reward or the punishment for things I've done. Yeah. Well, it's as you were kind of going through both of those, definitely the more common usage of karma, the more pop culture sense that we we use it, um, really pervasive. And I think, you know, I mean, I know it's hard for me not to think that way. Right, it's, it's, right. It's, it, there is a naturalistic yes. um, element to karma, you know, this idea of, you know, the, I've heard somebody describe it as the cash register of the universe. Mm. So, you know, you you put good things in, you're mm-hmm. going to get good things back and mm-hmm. vice versa. Um, but I think with any amount of examination of the world, you mm-hmm. see that's not, that's not the case. Ah, uh, yeah. And yeah. so I think... That that's a hard one for Christians to break out of. Yeah, um, Christians and and non alike to to sort of transcend and something that feels very natural. It feels maybe yeah. maybe it feels like it should be that way. Yeah, yeah. Um, 
because again, if, I think with any amount of examination, you see yeah. it's like that's well, that's clearly not what happens. Yeah. Although I do think that you know another thing that occurred to me as you were kind of going through the 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 usage of of the word karma, uh, I was thinking. I, I do think in some sense you don't ever really get away with it. I've never really seen anybody get away with anything. Yeah, yeah. You know, because I think if, you know, even if there's not a direct consequence, you know, there's there's all sorts of indirect consequences that come when, you know, for for doing something bad, for, yeah. for stepping out of line. Yeah. But I think that, you know, I, I think the inverse of that is like, well, good things happen to good people. That one yeah. almost seems more ridiculous. Yeah. Like, I, I think, I think in some sense, the, you know, I mean, in scripture, you know, the wages of sin is is death. Mm-hmm. You know, like there, sin is a, is a given that it's it's going to be punished. Yeah. But I think it's not necessarily self evident that good is rewarded. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. 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 I think that's that, there's a lot of truth to that, and and I think. It, this kind of thing happens often enough mm-hmm. that you can draw conclusions. And and that's what we tend to do as human beings. And I love the word that you use, naturalistic, a naturalistic explanation. And and I think that there are very few people that are truly naturalistic. There, yeah. there, are, there are a lot of people that try to come up with a natural explanation for everything. And yeah. then there are some people that are sort of in the middle. And there's a lot of people that say things like, well, I'm spiritual, but I'm not religious. Right. And so they'll say things like, well, and, and this is the type of thing that they're talking about. They're, mm-hmm. they're not talking about spirituality in the sense of a personal God who sent his only begotten son to die on a cross to save us from our sins. That's not the kind of spirituality they want. What they want is the universe. Mm-hmm. And they want some balance in the universe. They want some law of cause and effect and good things happen to good people, bad things happen to bad people. And right. and and I want good things to happen to me. So I'm going to put good vibes out into the universe and I'm going to do good things. And I know that someday all of these things will come back to me. And so there is this very popular sense of spirituality. But again, it's tied very much to naturalism, to writing our own story. And 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 we tend to do this a lot. And and you can you what we do is we take different points on a graph, so to speak. Mm-hmm. And and if there were a bunch of random dots on a page, you could draw a line in between all of those dots and you say, oh, this line goes this way and it goes this way and it goes this way. And you could actually make a picture out of the dots. Well, was it supposed to be a picture or were they just random dots? And you just happened to draw a line in between those and make a story where there really wasn't a story to begin with. Right. So we, we're walking down the street and we see a penny. We pick up the penny and then we we somehow are saved from a bus that didn't run us over. And we think, wow, if I hadn't stopped to pick up that penny, then I would have gotten run over by the bus. Therefore, the penny is lucky. I'm going to hold on to this lucky penny and bad things won't happen to me because I have this lucky penny. Right. Well, was it the penny or was it just two random things that just happened that we drew a line in between those two things and said, because this happened, then this happened. Mm-hmm. And we're always trying to explain things with those sort of natural explanations. 
this bad thing happened. Why did it happen? Well, maybe it was because of what I did when I was five years old and I don't even remember. Maybe it's what happened 10 years ago and I've been feeling guilty about it, but I never really had there any consequences. And so now maybe this is the universe paying me back for these bad things I've done. And we even hear, as you said, Christians talk this way to say, do you think these bad things—in ministry, I get asked this all the time. Do you think these bad things that are happening to me now are because of the bad things I did in the past? They're— if you look at them, they're they're seemingly unrelated. And, and this is what I want to get to, this distinction. Karma, or this idea of karma, is not the idea of behavior having natural consequences. That, we agree. Right. <laughs> that's not right. karma, though. Like, if you kick a dog and the dog bites you, that's not karma. Yeah. That's natural consequences. Right. That that's that's a the natural consequence for kicking a dog is the dog biting you. Cause and effect. Cause and effect. <laughs> exactly. Cause and effect is not karma. Right. So th- we need to clear that off. The scriptures say lots about cause and effect. Sure. So the proverbs are full of natural consequences and natural benefits. If you do this this is going to be the consequences. If you yeah. do that, this is going to be the consequences. Now, even that doesn't always work out that way. If you do these good things, then sometimes, a lot of times, it works out this way, and sometimes it doesn't. And right. so even those wise sayings are not 100% true, but even when they are, that's not karma. That's that's just the natural cause and effect of things. If you step off of a building, gravity is going to bring you to the ground. That's the natural consequences. What karma is, is it says, well, a dog bit me, therefore it must have been that lie I told 10 years ago. Mm. That's karma. Karma is this idea that somehow this bad thing that's happening to me now is connected to this bad thing I did a long time ago. You can't see the connection, but somehow I've drawn a line from this dot to that dot in my mind Mm -hmm. to tell myself a story that makes sense of this bad thing happening. The only way I can make sense of this bad thing happening is it must somehow how be cosmically connected to this bad thing I did back here. Now, again, that's human speculation and human wisdom. There's no reason to draw the line. If we can see a natural consequence and say, well, the dog bit me because I kicked him. <laughs> again, that's not karma. That's cause and effect. Right. Um, but, but if we're drawing a line saying the dog bit me, and that must be because I told a lie 10 years ago that nobody knew about, that's something totally different, and and that's where we diverge from this Eastern mysticism or this mm-hmm. spirituality and scripture, and we'll get into that in a second. I had a thought and a question. The thought was, um, I think the the cause and effect side of thing, because like you said, we see that a lot in scripture, right? And that's also something that's you know self evident. Just living, you know, you don't have to read scripture right. to understand. You step off a building, right. gravity's going to do the rest. Right. You know? um, but I think that, um, well, I was thinking about, I was thinking about the the one example of where maybe the lines, as I thought of it, maybe the lines are a little blurry here. I, I think a lot about when Jesus says, "To whom much is given, much more will be given," and mm-hmm. to whom nothing is given, even mm-hmm. what he has will be taken away. Mm-hmm. Do you think that? What, what do you think about that? Because as I as we've been talking about karma, I thought that you could almost maybe you could twist that you could certainly mm-hmm. twist it to 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 sound like karma but it, it does because i think w- one of the things we're saying with cause and effect is that there is sort of a sense of immediacy in cause and effect mm-hmm. whereas 
saying, you know, uh, you told a lie 10 years ago mm -hmm. and then now you're, you know, your comeuppance is, mm -hmm. is, is due. Right. It's like, well, that's, you know, f first of all, God does not say that in every case, the consequent, like consequences are, are the judgment. Mm -hmm. It's like, that's consequences are consequences sometimes, right. you know, right. sometimes. Right. And, and in fact, as Christians, we may have, we may get the consequences of sin. You know, I heard somebody right. say, you may be done with sin, but sin may not be done with you. Right, right. You know, so even when you move on, there's, yeah. there may still be consequences sure. yet to come. Yes. But you're saved. You're saved eternally. Right. Like right. We're, you're, we're, yes. we're, you can feel safe and secure yes. in the salvation of Christ because you're playing the long game now. Right. You're not playing the short-term game. That doesn't mean that maybe 10 years down right. the line, you may not Right. face some consequences. Absolutely. But, that's, but there's yeah. still natural consequences. They're right. not God, God's judgment. On right. Them. They're not God punishing us. If right. we truly believe in justification by faith, if we truly believe in justification through the cross of Jesus, the atonement, the atoning sacrifice of, of the cross, yeah. we believe that we are forgiven. So we, we believe that we are in the grace of God, not that we are being punished by God. And so if somebody who is a Christian is saying, Saying, are these bad things the consequence of me doing something sinful years ago? Okay, is there a line that can be naturally drawn between those two, or yeah. are you trying to draw a supernatural line, right. a spiritual line between those two? So, if somebody is, you know, steals something, if somebody robs a bank, mm. just because God forgave them doesn't mean they're not going to have to go to prison. Right. It doesn't mean that they're not going to have to deal with the emotional consequences of what they did. If somebody killed someone, they're, they're going to have to deal with those consequences. They may be dealing with those consequences for a lifetime. That's a very natural link between those two events, between the punishment, the consequences, I should say, the consequences and the action, a natural consequence. If somebody says, well, I have cancer, do you think that's because I robbed a bank 20 years ago? No, that's not because you yeah. robbed a bank. God didn't give you cancer because you robbed a bank. If you are forgiven of your bank robbery and you dealt with the consequences of your bank robbery, then the cancer probably doesn't have anything to do with your bank robbery. And to draw that that supernatural yeah. line is to is to 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 undermine the idea of forgiveness. Mm -hmm. God isn't punishing you for your sins if you're forgiven. Again, to your point, it doesn't mean you don't have to deal with the natural consequences, right. but there are no more supernatural consequences mm. to your to your behavior, to your sin because you're forgiven. Yeah, and I think it also seems not only does it undermine it, it's like just in terms of where you're placing yourself, like you, I, I, as you were saying that, I was thinking through like, well, I've done that. I've done, you know, this is sure. an indirect right. punishment for right. something I did. Right. And I, you know, the, I've, I've realized the arrogance of that. Like, mm -hmm. I, wait a minute, I don't get to make the call about what this is. Like mm -hmm. my job is to endure. Yeah. And I think that's, that's right. man, that's a tough thing for us to do is to not, you know, I, I, Satan, I, I think this came up on an episode recently. Satan really likes to win twice. You know, yes. He gets us to sin, yes. and then he and then he gets. He says, "Well, you be the ultimate judge. Yes, yes. You be the hardest on yourself. You. That's it's right. like that's not my place. Yes. 
he's that's, acting as the accuser and that that's right. what the satan means is yeah. the accuser oh, and he's he's accusing us and, and in jewish thought that's very much the role of the satan the right. the role of satan is to act mm. like the prosecuting attorney right. to say you're guilty and god is angry with you and and you you, you deserve what you're getting kind of a thing and and we see that in Job, but we'll get to that in a second, uh, and and how that plays out, and how that really undermines the idea of karma. Uh, but but you brought up a second ago. I want to go back to this about yeah. Jesus saying to to the one that much is given, what much will be expected, and and to the one you know what we do with things matters. I, a passage I was thinking about. I think these two tie together is Galatians six. Verse 7, uh, God is not mocked for whatever one sows, that will he also reap. For the one who sows to his own flesh will from the flesh reap corruption, but the one who sows to the Spirit from the Spirit reap eternal life. Um, I think that sometimes we have to realize that the reward or the punishment in Christianity, in Scripture, mm -hmm. is eschatological, meaning that this is in the age to come. This is in the grand scheme of things. And so are there consequences to our behavior and rewards to our behavior in the in the age to come? And again, we've made it pretty clear on this podcast that I don't believe in sitting on a cloud playing a harp for eternity. Um, I think that in the age to come, those that have been faithful in much mm -hmm. will be given even more. I believe that in the age to come, we will reap the reward of our faithfulness in the age mm -hmm. to come. In fact, here in Galatians 6 and verse 8, he says, from the Spirit will reap eternal life. That's, that's our harvest, is eternal life, right. if we sow to the Spirit. And, and so many times, these kinds of passages are taken out of context and used by, um, you know, by naturalistic type thinking people to say, whatever you sow, you're, you reap. Right. And, and it's, it's used to sort of have a Christian flavored karma to say, well, these good things that are happening, well, it's because of good things you did, or these bad things that are happening, they're because of bad things you did, where that ignores the context of what Paul is saying. And I think that gets to what Jesus is saying too, is that you be faithful, you sow to the Spirit. Uh, other passages would put it as uh, you store up your treasure in heaven mm -hmm. so that what we are hoping for and anticipating is not that I'm going to do good stuff right now and then maybe in five years or 10 years or 30 years, I will prosper and I'll have a big house and a nice car and whatever because I did good things for people. Right. That's how these these types of passages tend the to be. And wealth gospel. Right, exactly. Yeah. It, it tends to be the prosperity gospel where we say we do good things and we're planting. We, again, prosperity preachers love this passage because they say, you know, sow your seed of $10 and then God will give right. you $10,000. And that's a Christian flavored karma. Mm -hmm. That's not what Paul is saying. He's saying, so to the Spirit, store your treasure up in heaven. Then when Jesus is revealed from heaven, your treasure, the things you've stored up with him, then you will reap that harvest. Then what you've planted will come to fruition in the age to come, in eternal life. And that word eternal, it has to do with everlasting, yes, but also for the age to come. That 
our hope is an eschatological hope. We don't do good things so that our career will go better. We don't do right. good things so that we're, we don't get cancer. And then when we do get cancer or when our career falls apart or we lose all of our money, we don't say, oh, the, the universe is cursing me because of what I've done or God, God is, is cursing me because yeah. of what I've done. We, we don't take these passages and reinterpret them, take them out of context and reinterpret them to be karma types of things, we have to read them in the sense of, I think, for the age to come. And so I think when Jesus talks about the reward and and even the, the greater responsibilities that will come by being faithful, it might come in this life, it might come in this age, but it might be for the age to come. It might be in the resurrection. That's when you'll be entrusted with even more the 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 multiple okay. talents and the and the guys that had the one or the five or the ten. And Jesus entrusts them with with more. And I think that the application of that again, it might be in this age. Sure. We might have those types of opportunities, but I I think we have to be very careful with that because again, we have this tendency to say, well. I don't have very many opportunities. Maybe that's because of what I did or didn't mm. do. And, and we think God's punishing me. And we, again... That's the accuser again. Absolutely. Yeah. We're always trying to draw these fuzzy lines in between what's happening now and what we did, you know, several years ago that have no real connection, no natural connection. Think about Paul. Paul was in prison when he wrote so many of his, his books he, he never once says, I think I'm in prison right now because I used to persecute God's people. He doesn't think of it that way at all. In fact, right. he looks at being in prison as an act of God's grace. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and he looks at it as an opportunity to suffer with Christ. Look at Jesus himself. Jesus suffered. He was a man of many sorrows. Jesus suffered his entire life, not just on the cross, but throughout his ministry. He had no place to lay his head, yet he was perfect. He wasn't being punished for anything he had done. And so we have to be very careful that we don't interpret suffering the way the world interprets suffering. I just want to take a short break from our Bible study to tell you that if you are enjoying this discussion, you might also enjoy my book, Beyond the Verse. You can find the audio version of the book at radicallychristian.com slash audible. That's radicallychristian.com slash audible. And if you're not already an Audible subscriber, you can actually get my book for free when you sign up for a free trial. So go to radicallychristian.com slash audible. Now back to the Bible study. One last point on Galatians 6 that I I forgot to make is Mm -hmm. that karma is about trusting in yourself. Right. It's It's about pressure. Right. Exactly. It's it's about trusting that your good behavior is going to ensure your good outcomes. Mm -hmm. And that... Again, several of these tenets or or assumptions or underlying ideas behind karma, they really undermine the gospel. And and, and there's, on the surface, again, without really being critical of these kinds of things, we can say, oh, yeah, well, Christians kind of believe in karma. We believe that good things happen and bad things happen and there's consequences. I've heard that many times. Right, absolutely. But when we really start to think about it, we say, wait, 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 you know, are we? Do we really believe that the good things that happen to us are owed to us? 
or do we believe in the grace of God? Because I think Scripture teaches over and over and over again that the good things that come to you are not by works so that anyone should boast, but are from the grace of God and by the grace of God. And likewise, the suffering that we endure is not necessarily because we did something that deserved that kind of suffering. The book of Job, it undermines, this is an entire book of poetry Mm. that undermines the very natural way of thinking about how different things might be spiritually, cosmically tied to one another. The book of Job undermines that whole thing because Job maybe had lived the beginning of his life sort of with a a karma idea of thinking, okay, well, I do good things, good things happen to me. That's almost the complaint throughout the book is why isn't it like that? Yep. Yeah. Yeah, it did. I, this is the way it's always worked. Why isn't it working this way anymore? And yeah. Job's friends say, oh, well, it is working yeah. that way. You you obviously, obviously did something, something wrong, and, and this has to be because of your behavior. God's trying to get your attention. Mm. God's showing you you did something wrong. And Job's saying, no, That's... this isn't me. Yeah. And if I could just question God, and of course he repents of his hubris, but but you have this, this entire book that undermines that way of thinking. Yeah. And... And we have to take that seriously, that sometimes, and, and really, the the book of Job gives us no answer. Right. Why do all these bad things happen? God shows up. Well, the book gives us more answers than Job is actually given. Right. God shows up, and he doesn't give Job an answer. In fact, he says, who do you think you are yeah. questioning me? Where were you when I did all of these things? And so sometimes that has to be our contentment. Karma trusts ourself with the future. The gospel is about trusting God with the future. Again, even Galatians 6, even this sowing and reaping type of idea, it's sow to the Spirit and from the Spirit reap eternal life, that we're entrusting ourselves to God. Mm. We're doing these good things because we trust God, not because we trust in ourselves that we're going to, well, it's all about me planting the right seed and harvesting the right harvest. It's like, no, it's all about sowing to the Spirit. It's about hiding your treasures in heaven. It's about entrusting yourself to the faithful judge because he's going to judge. He's going to bless you. He's going to give you his grace. He's going to give you his mercy. Trust him. Karma and faith are on two totally opposite sides of the conversation. And so we... We really have to understand, again, the book of Job. John chapter 9 is another great mm-hmm. passage. I thought about that one. The, the the man that's born blind. Of course, again, when you're only looking inside or looking at the world to figure out the answers, and you have this very bumper sticker-ish, uh, cliche-ish way of looking at the world saying, bad things happen to bad people, good things happen to good people. Pretty simple, book closed, let's go home. Yeah. And, and if that's just the way you look at the world... Then you see somebody that's born blind, mm-hmm. and you think, oh, well, it's, it was really easy to say, well, that guy who went blind at 40, he did something bad, and God is punishing him. You can you can tell yourself that, and there's really nothing to undermine that philosophy, sure. even though it's not true, but you know, there's, there's nothing to undermine that. But when somebody's born blind, you think, oh, well, he couldn't have done anything, because right. if you don't believe in reincarnation, he didn't have a previous life to do that in, so maybe his parents did something, but his parents did something, why is God making him blind? Why didn't God make the parents blind? And so the disciples asked Jesus, this is John 2 and verse 9, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? <laughs> the, the, the assumption, they're begging the question. They're begging right. the question about 
is this a consequence of sin? They just right. assume it, it must be. That's how, that's how it works. And is that something, because I, I think one of the most encouraging things about uh, already just that question being asked at that time by his followers is, oh, people struggled with that back then too. Yes. And Jews are struggling with it. Yes. Religious Even Jews. Though yeah. they had the book of Job, you know, that, right. that should have told them that's not how it works. That's not how it works. Yeah. You can't look at a suffering person and think, well, it must be because of something bad that they did. But I hope we can see why we have a tendency to do that. The sinfulness yeah. of ourselves to look at a hurting person oh, yeah. and let ourselves off the hook by saying, yeah, they probably deserved it. Right. And, and it really, it leads to apathy to mm-hmm. say bad things are happening to people because people are bad and they, they do bad stuff. And so I don't have to feel sorry for them. I don't have to alleviate their pain and suffering. I don't have to help them or bless them oh, or take care of them. We don't want to contend with the very concept of life suffering. Absolutely. Yeah. Yes. And so it's much easier to say, mm-hmm. well, I'm comfortable and that's because I'm a good person. They're right. not. That's because they're a bad person. Until you run across children and babies and infants that are suffering and it's like, yeah. well, try telling them that because mm-hmm. they didn't do anything. And so yeah. that that's, again, like to your point, these are faithful Jewish people that have come to the same conclusion that right. Hindus and Buddhists have come to, that again, even secular people come to this idea, even people that don't believe in God think sure. somehow the, the universe totally. punishes people for the bad things that they do or rewards yeah. people for the good that they do. But Jesus says in verse three, it was not that this man sinned, or his parents, but that the works of God might be displayed in him. That is a huge revelation. Mm. And it's one that's spelled out in the Old Testament. It's one that continues to be spelled out in the New Testament, that sometimes we suffer, the faithful servants of God suffer in order that God might be glorified in us. Mm. And so this way of reinterpreting pain and suffering as saying, this isn't God or the universe punishing me for some bad thing that I did, but it's an opportunity that God might be glorified in me. Maybe it's an opportunity for me to do something good, or maybe it's an opportunity for God to do something good for me, for somebody else to do something good for me. Hmm. Sometimes we don't think about that. What if I'm going through a difficult time, and me suffering is going to give you an opportunity to bless me, which is going to bring glory to God through your blessing of me, and God's going to be glorified through the good work that you do for me, just as Jesus is going to heal this man, and it's going to bring glory to his Father, that when people are suffering, then it gives an opportunity. Now, that's not to say that that's the big picture behind pain and suffering, because we know from Scripture The big picture behind pain and suffering is that we live in a broken world Mm. that was broken when Adam and Eve ate the fruit, and that when humanity began to rebel against God, it broke everything. It is human rebellion that has broken the world, but there's not a cosmic tie behind every every hangnail and every splinter and every broken bone to some thing I did specifically. It's the fact that we are living in a broken world. And then when the goodness and the grace of God is interjected into the midst of this broken and hurting world, it brings glory to God. And he does that through the work of Jesus. He does that through the work of the Spirit. He does that through the work of the church. Mm -hmm. And when we do good and bring healing and reconciliation uh, and repair to the brokenness of the world, it brings glory to God. And so 
this is the work of new creation mm-hmm. that when we we work as little bits of healing little bits of light in the midst of darkness it brings glory to god so why why does this why does this continue to exist so that god may be glorified and ultimately ultimately the big picture is that through jesus all of the pain and all of the hurt and all of the suffering will be healed it will be taken away it will be taken taken care of yeah. and so we we have two answers why is this bad thing hap- well maybe three answers so when something bad is happening to me i have three things i could ask myself one is this the natural consequence of something that i did a right. dog bit me well maybe it's cuz i kick the dog and I shouldn't kick dogs. So that's an important question to ask, important thing to clear up first. Like, why am I in jail? Well, it's because I robbed a bank (laughs) and I shouldn't rob banks. If I stopped robbing banks, I probably wouldn't go to jail. You asked me that last week. (laughs) Yes. So I said, so we we ought to, we ought to ask ourselves, is this the natural consequence of something that I did? Because obviously behavior and actions have consequences. So is that, is that the case? Number two, is this, just the fact that we live in a broken and fallen world. Mm-hmm. If I have cancer, if I have, um, you know, if I go blind suddenly, my fear as a preacher, as somebody who makes a living out of or is supported teaching and talking, my big fear in life is I lose my voice. Mm. What happens if I can't, if I wake up tomorrow and I can't talk? Yeah. I could lie in bed for the next month and say, God is punishing me for whatever I did do that I shouldn't have done or what I didn't do that I should have done, and this is my fault, and somehow I brought this upon myself. Or it's not fair because I did everything I was supposed to do, and God's not taking care of me. And and so I could think of it that way, or I could just realize my body is flesh, and it's frail, and it's broken, and I live in a broken and fallen world because of humanity's rebellion against God, but Jesus is fixing it, and someday I'm going to be resurrected with a body that doesn't lose its voice. I'm going to be resurrected with a body that doesn't get tired, that doesn't wear out, that doesn't die, that will be immortal and imperishable, because guess what? Someday I won't be able to talk. Maybe it's before I die, and maybe it's when I die, but someday I won't be able to talk. I won't be able to walk. I won't be able to think. It's because I live in a body of flesh that is mortal and weak, and we have this expectation that won't happen if I live a good life. It's like, no, it very well might happen. It might happen tomorrow. I tend to be kind of pessimistic on that kind of stuff, but, but it's because I realize how we are dust people. We are people made of dust, mm. but Jesus is fixing all of that. So is this the natural consequence of my behavior? Well, if I lose my voice tomorrow, probably not, you know, probably not. Is it because I live in a broken and fallen world? Yes, that's true. And is this an opportunity for God to be glorified in me? Mm. Yeah. It is. Whatever it is. Yes, right. it is. It, it's an opportunity for God to be glorified. It's going to give somebody else the opportunity to speak. It's going to give somebody else the opportunity to serve. It's going to give somebody else the opportunity to bless me yeah. and help me and love me and show me grace. And so I have to turn loose. That's the whole thing with karma is that we're not willing to turn loose because we want to be in charge. This is my fault, my responsibility, right. or my reward because I did. Even if it's I did. cruel, at least it's fair and the rules yes. make sense. Yes, exactly. Yeah. And but it's, faith, faith is, because you brought up so many times yeah. already, Faith is the opposite to the uh, sort of the opposite to karma, and it, yeah. the more we've talked, the more I've realized the challenge presented. You know, because I, I think we've all probably heard people uh, 
understandably be sort of insulted. And I think there's definitely, uh, there's good and bad reasons for this, but, um, when you, when people say things like, well, all things work to the glory of God when somebody's going through mm-hmm. hardship and mm-hmm. suffering and things like that, timing probably has a lot to do with yeah. that sometimes and yeah. how we handle that. But I think that, you know, to turn that on its head, it is a challenge. It's a challenge to us to say, whether you're the one suffering or mm-hmm. whether you're you're suffering because you're watching someone suffering. Mm-hmm. You're, you just you can't. Your world is broken because mm-hmm. you just can't understand why is this mm-hmm. innocent person mm-hmm. going through this. It, it, it's a challenge. It's a challenge to your faith to say, the whole point of this is God's going to make it right. Mm-hmm. And you know, as you were talking about, you know, the kind of a hypothetical situation. I, you know. As, as I try to vividly imagine that for myself, I go, yeah, what would be my response? Mm-hmm. And I, I mm-hmm. and you know, in in one, you know, I'm always tempted to say, well, Lord willing, that doesn't happen. But at the <laughs> same time, well, that's not what Paul would say. That's not what that's right. you know. And and I also thought of Jesus's encouragement and Paul's encouragement and Peter's encouragement throughout the New Testament to you know, enduring suffering in mm-hmm. Christ's name. Mm-hmm is that, that's like that's that's how they're going to know you're my people. That's right. Uh, Paul brings that up uh, several times. Yeah. That's how people will know. Yeah. That's how I know you're my people is yeah. if you endure suffering in my name and 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 trust and have faith that I'm going to make it right and that's mm-hmm. I can't think of anything more challenging than that. Yeah. yeah. Um but the greater the challenge the greater the reward. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. And and what we do gain in this life is is growth is mm. maturity is the glory of god which we've already talked about but i think yeah. about what james says in james 1 he says consider it all joy my brothers when you encounter trials of various kinds because it's through the testing of your faith that endurance and and maturity are perfected and so yeah. that's that's how this is going to come about now i don't i don't ever want to get into the nitty gritty cuz I mean, I wouldn't want to think that if, again, if I had some just inexplicable type of a situation tomorrow, if I mm-hmm. got diagnosed with cancer or if I lost my voice or whatever, that God did this specifically, like God gave me this burden. You could explain right. it that way if you wanted to. But again, I, I look at it more like... There's some passages of scripture that would argue... You don't don't say it like that. Right, exa- exactly. I, I think that it's presumptuous right. to, to put it that way. Even so even if you're saying God gave me this trial for a reason, and even if you're you know right. going to soldier through it, that you know, okay. But I think it's just it's it's part and parcel to the fact that we live in a broken and fallen world, and these things happen. Yeah. People fall and and break their bones. People get cancer. People wear out. People die. These things happen, and God can be glorified even in the midst of these things. God can redeem these situations. God can mature us in these situations, but that doesn't mean that God, like, one by one is just, like, picking on us and saying, I'm going to give you this burden because it's for my glory. Ah, I just don't want to... I don't so want to think about to it that way. I, I'd rather think of it in the big picture type of a way, even if it applies to me specifically and right. say, okay, Wes, you have cancer because you live in a broken and fallen world. 
Now, what are you going to do? Like, what is your response to that going to be? Are you going to shake your fist at the universe and say, I don't deserve this? Or are you going to say, I do deserve this? And it's going to be self-flagellation and say, you know, this is because I did such and such last year. Or are you going to say, you know what? The world is broken and I, I long for and anticipate the resurrection and my new body. And until then, may God be glorified in my mm-hmm. suffering. May I be matured in my suffering. Yeah. And so it's, it's a way of connecting the dots. It's a way of telling the story in a redemptive way and entrusting both our prosperity yeah. to God yeah. and saying, God makes the sunshine on both the righteous and the wicked. God makes the rain to fall on, on the righteous and the wicked. You know, good things happen to mm-hmm. bad people. Bad things happen to good people. Good things happen to good people. Bad things happen to bad people. These kind of things are universal, and they happen to everybody. Good right. things and bad things. And we can tell the story in a very self-centered way that says, right. I'm to blame, or I'm to credit, or we can tell these things in a very God-centric way, a Christ-centric way to say bad things happen because we're in a broken world, but God is redeeming them and maturing us through this process. And the important thing being, you know, I just thought of Paul in Philippians chapter 4, before he says the, you know, the famous, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens right. me. I've learned how to be content in whatever situation, both rich and poor. Yes, yes. So even at my best, I've learned how to handle that properly. Yes. And I th- and and I think you know it's come up a couple times talking about the good and the bad side of karma. Yeah. And the idea that the the danger of taking the credit, mm-hmm. you know, the, the taking the blame. Well, nobody nobody likes that. Even though I think, as you said, it's it's still a self centered thing mm-hmm. to always say, well, it's something. It's, it's got to be something about me. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but then the maybe the 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 less fun thing to think about is is how even in the good times there's you know and, and Jesus would say especially in the good times yes. especially in prosperity yes. there's the challenge of how are you going to handle this yeah. and are you going to handle this as a follower of Jesus who's thinking about the big picture about the fact that it doesn't matter how good things are here. Mm-hmm. You you haven't seen you ain't seen nothing yet you yeah. know it's it's this this is just this is child's play compared to what's coming yeah and the and then the faith that's required of you to trust that in the suffering that this is just child's play yeah. compared to what's coming yeah absolutely so we we've got to recognize that these human philosophies so many times that seem so self evident mm. or seem so arbitrary or or meaningless or you know well th- that's fine if you want to live believe in karma. It's like, whoa, 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 it, it's not harmless yeah. because these things really do undermine the gospel. They, they really lead to pride. They lead to apathy. They lead to a lack of gratitude. They lead to a lack of faith. They lead to a lack of trust. They center us and they decenter God and they make it a, a simply a matter of cause and effect. And that we put us in the driver's seat rather than surrendering to the will of God and saying, it's all about him. It's all about his glory. And it's all about anticipating what he has done, what he is doing and what he will do. Thank you so much for being part of the Radically Christian Bible Study Podcast today. We hope that you've enjoyed this episode. I want to give a special thanks to Travis Pauly and to our McDermott Road Church family for making this podcast possible. As always, we love you, God loves you, and we hope that you have a wonderful day.